there's a lot of new faces, a lot of folks that I don't know, um, and I hope to meet you afterwards. Um, but it is cool to be here. Last time I was at 1825, it was awesome, but it wasn't necessarily like home because it was in the other building. And so this is the first time I'm back in, in this building. So this is really, really awesome. Now, I have a, you know, my message isn't extremely long. <laughs> see, well, we'll see who knows me. Uh, all right. Um, I really have no idea how long my message is. I think it's short, but yes. I can do two parts, three parts, whatever you guys want. Um, but <clears throat> I think it's something that, um, I'm gonna be honest, and, and usually people don't like to say this on stage, but I had a whole different message prepared. And <laughs> I don't know, you know what, what we, made a, we made a goal with uh, 1825 at the beginning of the semester, like, man, we wanna go deeper. We wanna be more, uh, like, go, go into more mature topics, like more solid food. And so I had a, you know, I had a message prepared for that. And then everything flipped upside down. And um, when I tell you the name of this message and what I want to talk about today, <clears throat> I have a feeling I, I'm going to see a couple eyes roll. Hopefully, pairs roll. Uh, but I'm going to see a couple eyes roll. I get it. I know. Um, because this topic is something that usually gets kind of thrown away into a trash bin by Christianity um, because it's very misunderstood. And a lot of times it's misapplied, taken out of context, and so it's thrown out altogether, which I think is a huge, huge shame. I'm going to be talking about the importance of having a dream. <laughs> ah, ah, see? That was like an audible eye roll. I got it. Um, when we talk about having a dream, um, usually, I'll be honest, I think the Russian language and the Russian example, Slavic background example, kind of highlights my point of people's reaction when you talk about it, about having a dream. In Russian, um, you know, the concept of dream and, and to have a dream is, there's a word, right? Michta. It's michta. That's the Russian word for dream. If I think back to every time I've heard the word michta, that word dream in Russian, I think 95% of the time, it was a negative connotation. That's michta said. Like, you, you're just dreaming. It's very cynical. It's very ironic. It's very negative. Like, I, I don't even know if I've ever, ever heard a positive reference to a dream in the, in the Russian language. Uh, not, not with the people around me. Usually it's, it's more of like the, hey, you got your head in the clouds kind of concept. That's what we talk about when we talk about having a dream. And most people look at this concept and they throw it away because it seems very childish. It seems very fifth grade, sixth grade teacher and, and motivational posters, right? It's, it's very hmm, impractical. I'll just put it that way. A lot of times when we talk about having a dream, it's, it's, it's more of a joke. In fact, most memes and things like that, when you talk about dreams, it's more of, you know, we celebrate the breaking of the illusion of dreams. That's the society we live in and that's the reality that we live in. And I think it's a huge shame. A lot of times, I think that's because we misinterpret what a dream is. We label everything a dream. You know, I want a new car. I dream about it, that's, that's my dream. We, we take the concept of a dream and we boil it down usually to a materialistic goal, to a benchmark in our personal interests. And so somewhere along that line, I kind of understand 
why dreams have become more of a joke than anything else. Now, most people, if you do ask them, once again, like I said, what is what are they dreaming about? What's your dream? Most people will give you like a fifth grade, sixth grade answer. It'll be something very specific, very easy to attain, relatively speaking, in the context of life. And it's very, very materialistic. The dream that I'm gonna be talking about today and the dream that I think we need to get on one page about is something that's a little bit deeper than materialistic things. I'm talking about something that is placed really deep inside of you. It causes you to have some imagination. It leads usually to some thinking, catching yourself, dreaming, right? That whole concept. But it usually is not materialistic. In fact, if you try to really explain your dream, it becomes harder and harder with every word. I'm talking about a dream that a lot of times is elusive when you try to pinpoint it. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like in the night sky when you're looking at like that faint, faint star and you try to look directly at it, you lose it. You can only see it kind of from the side, right? The whole point being that what we're talking about is something that is mysterious in nature. And I think that's the beauty of it because I think it is essential in shaping our life. At least it should be. The dreams that we have and the dreams that I'm talking about are something that is necessary, I think, to live a life of destiny. Now, once again, another cheesy word, destiny, right? Once again, we relegate it to the same place as dreams in the garbage can. But I think it's a shame because you know, as much as we can hear in culture and we can understand that it's a joke, you know, you listen to Martin Luther King's speech, his most famous speech was what? All right, you guys paid attention. <laughs> the whole point is that speech, nobody laughs at, nobody jokes about. But when it was uttered, it was kind of ridiculous, to be honest. In that day and age, when it was spoken, on, the, on those steps of the Lincoln Memorial, it was pretty ridiculous. And it was something that was almost like, if you think about it just pragmatically and logically, it seemed kind of impossible. Especially when you understand that it takes millions and millions of people, hundreds of millions of people, to be able to even have a chance to achieve that dream. But yet we don't laugh at that, not in, t not in hindsight. In fact, we celebrate it, we commend it. And that's why I, don't, I think it is a shame when we take the concept of a dream and we just throw it away. Because I do think that this is the way that our life can be shaped. Now, this conversation isn't something that is just a conversation about dreams. This is something that each one of you has experienced. I don't care who you are, at one point or another, every human being has a dream. Everybody has a dream. And yes, usually it's when we're younger. In fact, this message, I probably would not attempt to do right now at our main services. I, I just wouldn't. Far too many jaded people. Far too many people who they've committed and they're already far along in a life where there's just no place for dreams. There's no more room for that kind of thinking. It's not efficient and it's illogical. And so, even though that's the truth, every person at one point or another did have a dream or still has a dream it just depends how you react to it. Some people are, are firm believers. You look around and you see some people that, man, they are driven by a dream. They seem different. 
There's people, and we, we kind of like, you know, they're the special ones. They're the ones with special calling or special talent or, you know, they're, they're, they're different. It's almost like you do see like, hey, you know, that kind of person will get somewhere. And so you see some people that do. They operate in dreams. They believe in it. Some of them we laugh at because they become motivational speakers on Facebook, right? <laughs> they're the ones that are always like saying things. Yes, somehow one way or another, sometimes when you look at it, they, they're living out their dreams. And as, as quick as I am to throw away some of these names and, and definitely look past them when I come across it on social media, when I actually stop and I look from a kind of a side view, a lot of them are living out some of the dreams that they have. And so, once again, there's those who believe in it, and then there are those who are very quick to point out that this is something that usually is, is, is just for people who are naive. That's what most people have. You know, there's that joke Michael Jr. shared at one point, everybody probably knows. But remember when he talked about his son, when his son said what he wanted to be, and he was, was very proud. Remember, anybody probably Yeah, some of you. He's like, you know, oh, he was so proud of his son because his son came out and said, hey, hey, uh, you know, I want to be a doctor. Or a dinosaur. You know what I mean? That's kind of the idea behind dreams. It's, it's very, eh, yeah, we can laugh at it. But even the Bible sometimes, when you read the Bible, it, it almost like throws this concept away. In fact, I want to read a proverb to you that I think summarizes most of our ideas. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. <laughs> That's written in Proverbs 12, 11. Those who work, those who are pragmatic, those who are practical, those who don't just have their head in the clouds, they're going to have food. The ones who chase fantasies have no sense. So I want to take that verse and I want to put it on the shelf for a second because we're going to get back to it. But here's the thing. If you fully believe that dreams have no place in our life and in our society, I think you're ignoring a huge side effect of a society that largely doesn't believe in dreams. In fact, I want to even more be more specific. I want to take just a brief look at Christianity without dreams. Christian people who live for God and who are, hey, we're followers of God's kingdom. We're here to do God's will. And I want to take a look at us as Christians and look at the effect that having no dreams and having no place for dreams, what kind of effect it has on us today. Here's the thing. Stuart McAllister, he said these words. He said that the idea of a future is slowly dying. The idea of a future is slowly dying. That's why most people today live specifically for today. The idea of a future is so fleeting. And we, as we get older, we understand that we have less and less control over the future. And we understand that no matter how much we try to shape our future, most of the time life kind of has its own stream. And the idea of a future, which I think is really tied to dreams, it's just fading. And as a result, what most people do is... They, they, they kind of boil down to just living for today. What's the point of me thinking about tomorrow? I'm just going to enjoy today. In fact, that's what is tied to this whole thing that you probably heard a million times, but I want to repeat. You know, everybody wants instant gratification. Like, nobody wants delayed gratification, right? Like, that whole concept, I think, is directly tied to this. Because you don't trust the future. We don't trust the future, and we don't trust the future, especially to dreams. And so we want everything right here, right now. But here's what I think it does to us as Christians. 
it kind of, you know the, that concept of the cream of the crop? Like the best of the best, the radicals, those who turn over mountains to accomplish something. I think we're slowly losing that group of people. Not everybody is called to do something ridiculous for God. Not everybody is called to be single for life for God. Not everybody is called to leave everything behind and move to Ukraine. Not everybody is called to go into full-time ministry. But here's the problem. That group of people that we go, well, not everybody is called, is slowly becoming no one is called. No one. I think the dreamy, lack of dreaming, leads to that. We, as a group, it becomes groupthink. We just start working only for today. And what happens is those people that God is calling to something drastic and radical, which is a far bigger group than you and I give credit to, we think it's just that one little light. There's that little subsection of Christianity that's called to do something ridiculous and illogical for God. When in reality, it's not a small group of people. The kingdom of God has all kinds of people. But we've gotten way, we've gotten way too comfortable with saying, oh, it's okay, you don't have to do anything great for God. Just do your job. Just go to school. Just, just, just focus on, on today. And, and all of that is good. All of that is awesome. But at the same time, if that's all we have, and we have a kingdom with no radical people. When you look through history, you look through 2,000 years of Christian history, the radical people were the ones that usually had to go ahead and do something crazy for things to shift in a big picture for everyone else. And right now when I'm saying this, I'm not comparing people and saying one is better than the other. That's not what I'm doing. God made it clear that every person is equal. There's no favoritism. We are all equal in God's eyes. And no matter how big or how small the task that God has for your life, if you do the task that God has for your life, you fulfill those individual missions, those individual assignments, you will have an equal reward. You will be blessed. Don't worry about it. You don't have to compare yourself. But here's the thing, in the light of that kind of, we want to be equal, don't offend anyone, don't make, don't put anyone down. Once again, we go to such an extreme that we kill the idea of anybody who wants to kind of like, hey, I want to go further. I want to go further. And here's the disaster in this. For those that God calls to not do anything ridiculous, not do anything just mind-blowing, but just to be average, be normal, which that's perfectly fine. You get to fulfill God's plan by being normal, by living life, getting married, by doing your thing, by, by, by starting your business, or by just working, you know, wherever you're working and, and progressing and being alive. That's awesome. You will be rewarded. But those of you who are called to do something radical, by being normal, you're living out somebody else's purpose, not yours. You're living out something else, and you are the one that's losing and I think this is directly tied to the fact that we've stopped dreaming. We've become so pragmatic that we have no imagination left. We've become so pragmatic that there's nothing left to go, what if there's more? What if? What if? That part is slowly dying. And that's why I think that the kingdom of God is slowly getting older. A lot of young people play it safe. Here's the thing. 
I see both extremes. We just read about the fact that somebody who is living a fantasy, you know, you're, you're not going to have anything. We read that in scripture. You see, what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a dream is not a fantasy. See, we, we can live out of fantasy. I do believe some people live in a fantasy and that scripture is talking about them. What I'm talking about is something a little more nuanced. It's a dream that's more nuanced and that's what I want to go into with the rest of my message. But here's the key thing to understand. A lot of scripture has to do with balance. People who do not study the Bible, they pick and choose something and they live by it without reading it in context. In fact, if you take that to its most extreme moment, you will find many contradictions in the Bible. You will find the same Bible calling you to do one thing and then another place that calling you to do something completely different. And it seems like the Bible contradicts itself when in reality, it's talking about balance. It's talking about balancing them. So how do you dream and balance that dream, no matter what God has called you to? How do you do that? I think a very practical way is to have a dream to allow space for a dream, to search for the dream that God has for you, but live practically today. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think that you can have both. In fact, when you look at the Bible, two simple examples of somebody like that. Joseph had a dream, probably the most famous dreamer in the Bible. He had a couple grandiose, amazing dreams. But you know what? His life did not allow space for those dreams practically. See, in his everyday life as a slave, as a prisoner, as, a, as somebody that was being led by a rope through the desert, he never betrayed the dream that he had, but he lived practically. When he was a slave, he did what a good slave would do. He worked hard, he was honest, he didn't do what a lot of the other folks were doing around him. He was very practical with his life. But the dream never died. In fact, you see it all throughout the story. The dream never died, even though his practical life did not reflect that dream. The other thing that he didn't do is he didn't walk around and tell everybody, Hey, I know you're my master, but you know who I am? Let me tell you my dream. He didn't do that. He didn't take his dream and try to live it out practically right here and right there. No, he didn't. He kept his dream, but he lived very practically. Same thing with Abraham. Abraham also had many dreams. God gave him pictures and promises that were very prophetic. The book of Hebrew tells us that he was a man of faith. You know what that means? That means that he must have had some big things that he could not see, but he was waiting for. One of those things, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, was a city not built by human hands. Try to figure that one out. He literally had a dream of a city that was not built by human hands. And he was going from place to place, and he died without ever getting to that city. But there was a dream. Interesting. He had a dream. He never saw it fulfilled in his lifetime. But he died with that dream. That's why he was called righteous. Really, really fascinating. But look at his practical life. He was very pragmatic. He wasn't sitting in one place waiting for the city to descend. He was going from place to place wherever God sent him. In fact, sometimes he was so pragmatic, he did some pretty dumb stuff. I'll be honest. He put his wife into a dangerous place twice. All right? He literally was like, hey, she's my sister. She's beautiful. 
Anytime he came within anybody who had power, instead of putting himself in danger, he's like, oh, she's my sister. He was very pragmatic, all right? That was not operating by a dream. That was being very pragmatic. But the Bible tells us that he died with faith. That means he died with the dream still there. See, that's what I'm saying. They're not mutually exclusive. You can have both. The problem is when you live out that dream right here, right now, whether it's here or not. You live practically, but you keep the dream. And this is really important because here's what, where dreams come from. You know, we talk about having a calling. And there's a lot of time that we can spend talking about your purpose. We all have the same purpose, by the way. All of us. And the basic thing, if you don't know what to do today, uh, this, I know this is basic Christianity, but you have one purpose. Go and make disciples. Preach the gospel. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what your gifting is, how long you've been a Christian. I don't care your knowledge base. I don't care anything. I, I don't care where God is calling you to missionary work, to business work, to, to, to just working today, being a student. I don't care who you are. We all have the same calling, which is go and preach the gospel in whatever way you can. You are to go and make disciples. Nobody's excluded from that. So all of us have something to work on today practically. But that calling, the concept of a calling, once again, for me every day, it's, it's one of those things that it is hard to pinpoint. It is hard to figure out. But I think the most clear aspect, the most clear way to talk about a calling is usually when you're dead. <laughs> it's to, or to look at dead people and look at their, their stories, right? Then you go, well, that was his calling because he died. And now you have a story. And especially with somebody who's obedient to God, you have a complete story. You have a picture. You have something that you can say, well, man, that was a great missionary. Oh, yeah, St. Patrick, right? Yeah, he brought the gospel to that country. No, th that's, that's kind of the grand story. And I don't know if we are to know the complete story ahead of time. I actually know. I do know. We're not supposed to know the complete story of what our destiny is. God just tells us step by step. But the big picture... I do believe God gives us a little bit of something inside to draw us in the direction. And, and that's what I think calling is. And I think it starts with the dream. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Calling. God is the one who works in you to will and to act. When you look at the original translation, what it means is God is the one who gives you desires. God places certain desires in your heart in order for you to act on them so that you would fulfill his great purpose. That to me sounds a little bit like dreams. Uh, but there's no place for desires in Christianity. That's not practical. But that's what the scripture says here. That's specifically how God operates. God, and, and not only that, God is the one who places those dreams inside of us. And so when we throw that whole concept away, I do think in a way we're kind of throwing away something that God is trying to achieve. But how does a dream and a calling kind of come together? See, once again, at the end of the story, we have the full picture. But God gives us gifts and God gives us these desires. And they slowly but surely, and a lot of times without us even realizing, it kind of generally leads us into the knowledge of what we're supposed to do here and now. And in the long picture, in the big picture, we end up having a destiny. A destiny that you can chart looking back. Now... If I don't give you more context, I'll be honest, this is kind of dangerous. Here's why I think another reason why dreams have the bad rep that they have. If I was to stop just here and say, well, God places desires in your heart, dreams in your heart, and so if you follow Him, you will find your calling. There's a lot of Christianity that does that, and it, it causes people to ruin their lives. 
I've heard stories of people preaching this message in a more radical way than me, with a lot more energy, a lot more passion. And what people do is like, okay, I'm gonna be a musician for God. Never took a music lesson, zero voice. Like, you will bring more gl glory to God with silence, all right? <laughs> Why didn't anybody say amen? <laughs> all right, fine. All right, all right. <laughs> and so I understand how you can take this out of context and be like, okay, yeah, yeah. In fact, I had somebody come to me a few years ago and said, hey, you know what God called me to? Two years tops. Two years tops. Billionaire. <laughs> I'll be honest. People say stuff like that. And I am not the person that's going to be like, pop. That's, that's not my place. I can't. You can't make a snap judgment on somebody. You never know. But that one was fishy. <laughs> there was, <laughs> I was kind of like, okay, where is this coming from? And the person was talking about money. The person was talking about the wealth that they were going to live in. And very quickly I saw that it's cool when you can put scripture and God together with your materialistic desires. Just the same way as I want to be a singer for Christ. I want to be a Christian celebrity. All of those things are your dreams. Those are things that you are taking God's concepts, applying your own things to it, and trying to sell it to God. That's not what we're talking about. In fact, I want to read your scripture. I think this is where this mistake happens. Psalm 37, verse 4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Woo! That's how it works, man. I have a desire, all right? We've got a lottery coming up. Take delight in the Lord, and it'll happen. I have a desire. I want to, I don't know, be this, be that for God. And you read this scripture, and you're like, yeah. And I've heard it preached that way. The problem is, read the very next verses. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Amen. The very first ones were, commit your way to the Lord. Not commit the Lord to your way. <laughs> Commit your way to the Lord. You see, in selfish desires, and this is a way to understand that this is not God's dream, you want to take God and include Him into your plan, number one. Number two, you want it now. You want it soon. This ends with, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. It's a whole different take. You see, if God is the one that puts dreams in our hearts, God is the one who sets the terms for everything that happens with that dream. It's not something that we use to hold God accountable. If we are to take and seek and want to live out the dream that God places in our heart, we have to understand that we aren't here so much to seek the dream as we are to seek Him. This is where I think this, this, this is where this heresy aspect falls into place. A lot of people, when we talk about dreaming, they spend all of their energy trying to chase the dream. When I read the scripture, 
it shows that I need to have more energy spent on seeking God and the dream of my Do you know what I mean? Once again, I know that this may not be as practical. Maybe it's not as, as, as a, it still leaves this abstract space and mystery around it. Yes, because God's dreams require faith. It's not a one, two, three step kind of a program that God gives us. It requires faith. And you gotta be careful. Because just as something, this is another pitfall, I think, of dreaming and putting God into the mix and doing it and come to your own conclusions. Some people are like, well, I have a good dream. I want to reach the nations for Christ. We're going to reach billions and billions of people. I don't know, that didn't sound like Trump. And I didn't try to, but in my head, for some reason, after I said it, it felt like Trump. Uh, but we're going to reach billions and billions of people. That's what God has called us to. My friends, here's the thing. Just because it's good and just because it's for God's kingdom doesn't necessarily mean that that's the dream that God has for you. Once again, you can't take your own thoughts, your own logic, put them together with God and try to say, that's what it is for me. I mean, can you imagine what kind of worship I would bring to the Lord if I could sing? Listen to this. King David had a dream. He had a huge dream. He wanted to build a home for God. And I'll be honest, David was a man that by my qualifications, just by my logical kind of look, he was the most qualified to build it. If there was anybody who had a right to build God a home, it was probably the guy who wrote a lot of the Psalms, who knew how to express his heart, who had a heart that God was like, man, that's a, that's a man after my own heart. That's my guy right there. That is the guy that would make sense, but no, God said, no, that's not for you to do. It was Solomon. You know the ironic thing about Solomon? I know Solomon more for his Proverbs than anything that resembles Solomon. I know him more for wisdom than heart. Yet God said, he's the one that's supposed to build it for me. In fact, I'm gonna give him all the details, all the blessing, all the anointing to do it. And it makes no sense to me, to be honest. But once again, God's dreams, God's terms. And so we have to do it God's way. Apostle Paul too. Apostle Paul, you know what he tried to do in the beginning? He tried to work with Jews. He tried to go preach to them. Guess what? God said, mm -mm. I, know you, I know you're trained. I know you got a good reputation. I know it makes sense that I should send you there. No, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. The people who all your life you would just... Ugh. No, you're going to go and you're going to, you're going to be my main apostle to them. That's where you're going to be planting churches, in foreign cities, not the cities that make sense. Once again, God says that. There's one last example. James and John, they were walking with Jesus and they said, can we sit on the left and right of your throne? You know what Jesus told them? He gave them a long spiel, but he finished this way. He says, to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Just because that makes sense, just because, and he even says that the qualification to be there is you're going to have to pay a price. And he says, you will pay a price, but even that does not guarantee you that seat. Somebody's supposed to fill that seat, and, and God knows who it is. There's an appointed person. Once again, God is very specific with what we are to accomplish. Just because it's good, just because it's right, just because it would bring God glory, does not mean that it is 100% for us. So how do you find your dream? We already talked about it. First and foremost, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Don't stress out about finding your calling. Spend time seeking God. So basic. 
So just simple Christianity, my goodness, another sermon with another point about seeking God's face. Yeah. There's no way around it. People get frustrated with God, but this is so first grade. But my friends, if we don't get to first grade, if we don't live out first grade, how can you expect to go around it? It's a simple truth. That's why it's repeated so many times. But we have to learn to seek God, not stress out to find our dream. Spend that energy, all of those things that you would put to reach your dream. Spend it in reaching God, finding time for God, seeking his face. Dream about him, his heart, in his scriptures, in prayer. That's what it starts with. That's the formula. Not seeking your dream, that dream will find you. Listen, God is the one who makes all of this come together. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Sound like a dream a little bit? He is the one who is able to do more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. God is the one. It's not your power. It's not your efforts. It's not just all the things that you do. God is going to make it happen. And when it does, it perfectly fits with this concept of dreams versus practical life. See, when Joseph was a slave, he had a lot of tasks. Things that took up all his time. All his time. He had time to work on them. Because he trusted that God would fulfill the dream. One way or another, it'd get there. Even in a way that doesn't make sense. Can you try to chart a path from slavery to being second in command? in all of Egypt? Like logically, if you were to lay out a plan for fulfilling that dream, would you be able to come up with one that would make any sense? No, nobody can. And if you could, it wouldn't work. And no matter what, it's just, a, it's a one in a million chance, not even that more. But according to God's power, when we focus on doing what God is asking us to do right now, you're a student, be a student. If you're serving as a home group leader, be a home group leader. If you're coming to church and you're, you're, you're doing this, do whatever you're doing. Focus on the practical things right now, but keep the dream alive. How? By searching for God. Seeking God, putting all of your energy and spending time with Him. And that dream will find you. And don't feel pressured. Here's the reason I think a lot of people stress out and they really, especially today, goodness, once again, I'm sorry for repeating something that you've heard a million times, but it is, once again, it's simple truth. Number one reason why we stress out to try to do something and accomplish something and get somewhere really quickly is because we see all other people doing that. We look around and you see people doing stuff. Man, people are movers and shakers, especially on Instagram. Everybody is accomplishing something. Everybody is doing great things. Everybody is living their best life. And, and, and it gets even worse. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about this in the Psalms where David felt like he was being passed up all the time. Once again, David had a dream. He was anointed to be king. It was a long time before that dream was fulfilled. But one thing that he dealt with a lot of times, and you see that in the Psalms, is he was looking around and he saw wicked people prospering while he was stuck. His dream was not coming true. Look what the, what the Psalms say, though. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Don't worry about it. Don't compare yourself. Don't try to run at the speed that everyone else is running. No, don't, don't let that be your motivation. Once again, everything goes back to God. Habakkuk 2.3 says, For the vision 
is yet for the appointed time. It's an appointed time. The vision is for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, waits, wait for it. For it will certainly come, it will not delay. Boy, bullseye. Right into what we're talking about. The vision is for an appointed time. And it's, it's going towards its goal. It's moving. No matter how you may think things are slow, no matter how you think things are on pause, it's actually going towards its goal. And it says it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not delay. We got to give God space to work, my friends. We got to give God space to work. And once again, don't be lazy. Uh, once again, remember this is all about balance. Some people take this and like, okay, well, yeah, then I'll wait all my life. And I'm not going to do anything until that dream comes true. Once again, be practical. Live your life. God will swing you into the direction he needs to. He will guide you practically step by step. Be faithful in what? The small. What's the small? It's the stuff that we don't think about. It's the stuff that's not important enough to think about. It's the stuff that you are doing every day in your practical life. But be faithful in it. Be faithful wherever God has planted you. Once again, all of us already have a calling that we know about, which is to be what? Those who make disciples. Be faithful in that. Wherever you are, the dream will find you. Where God wants to lead you, it'll find you. Here's another thing, another tip. Let the fear of God put guardrails around you. All right, when we go dreaming, <laughs> we already talked about the fact that people go wild, all right? A sure way to protect yourself as a Christian from getting wild and going off course is by having the fear of God. A lot of times when I see Christians that are throwing around words like dreams and purpose and my calling and they're doing crazy things and from the side it's just not working, but they're just these loud, boisterous types of people. The first thing that you notice about people like that is they don't have a fear of God. Once again, so we're touching something that we already kind of touched on, but they are more interested in themselves than they are in God's purpose. Do you know what I mean? There's this feeling that there's like a little bit of a pride. Well, if you have the fear of God, there's not really room for pride. In fact, Psalm 135, 19, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. Once again, if you want to find your calling, you got to have the fear of God. You have to be worried constantly about God's purpose. That has to not be something that you think about. It has to rule your heart. It has to be a state of heart. You know what I'm talking about? Where it comes naturally, where your conscience, when you start doing certain things against God's holiness, you just know that's not it. When you allow yourself certain privileges that maybe God doesn't want you to have right now, it stops you. You know when people start trying to live out the dream before the dream ever arrived, right? All of those kinds of moments, the fear of God will guard you. That's why it says that those are the people that will end up having God fulfill all the things that he promised them. Check your motives. You have to do this practically. My friends, these are just practical little things that we all have to do. Once again, from the Psalms, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. In truth. See, our motives, sometimes we do the right things to, for God. But if you were actually to stop and examine the motives of why we're doing it, 
it wouldn't be right. That's why the scripture makes it very clear. It's, it, once again, it's bullseye. The Lord is near to all who call on him, but not just all who call on him, all who call on him in truth. See, your motive has to be, God, I want to live out your kingdom. I want to live out that purpose. I want to be useful for you. I want to have a dream that is for your kingdom. That's my next point. The dreams that God places in our heart, they are never apart from the kingdom of God. Even this simple thing. If God has called you to run a business, to open an influential company, a company that makes a lot of money, yes, all of those awesome things, and you're one of the privileged people that are called to do that. I'm joking, we're all, we're all privileged. Um, but if that's who, uh, who you are, and that's who God is calling you to be, you gotta understand that even that has to have the context of the kingdom of God. If you want it to be a kingdom purpose, you want to make sure that it's what God has for you and it doesn't just boil down to having a big company and a lot of money. You have to keep the kingdom purpose in mind. We're meeting right now with a lot of influential business people in our city. We've met with people from outside of our city. A House of Bread Church, we're working with a couple other churches to create kind of this neutral um, business ministry, if you will. Um, we have a bunch of things that we're working on there. Practical things. We want this business ministry, all these influential people, to be a resource for you, for other people who want to get into business, or people who want to are, are going to, into career, but you want to talk with somebody who's successful, somebody who is 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 already living it out, kind of those things. So we're working with all of these people, and one interesting thing is half of them, I would say half of them, that I, I, that we were even meeting with, they started their business. They knew that they were called to do something with business. But they started their business and they were just doing business and they were doing it successfully. And they already bought all the toys. They already enjoyed the money as much as they could. There's not much more that excites them when it comes to the financial side. The business is still fun to do, but the joy of the benefits of the finances, the biggest reward for doing that business, which is finances, has already slowly ceased to impress to bring joy, to bring excitement like it did before, that's when a lot of them start going, you know what? I think I've kind of been doing it for God. I mean, I give money to the church, I give money to different organizations and missions and things like that, but I don't think I do my business as a ministry. I don't think I do it in the, in the context of God's kingdom. And they start finding, it opens the door to find something bigger. Something that excites more than the money does. And, and I'll be honest, it's amazing to see this moment happen. It's amazing to meet people who are successful, who are not just successful at what they do, but they're driven by a reward that's greater than the one that a lot of people work for. See, when people dream about money, your dreams are small. I'm sorry. Once again, a classic Christian message. Your dreams are so small. Your dreams are going to die with you. Okay. God's kingdom dreams are eternal. You, you understand that there's no price you could put it on that. I know people go, I, I get it, I get it, but I, I still want a boat. I get it. I understand that. And I know all of us have these thoughts. But listen, you picture yourself a billion years from now. A billion years from now. You believe that you'll be a, like you'll be around a billion years from now? Who believes they're going to be around a billion years from now? <laughs> All right. 
I guess we're going to have to just, amen? <laughs> I saw like four hands go up, and three of them were like, <laughs> I didn't say you're going to be here on earth a billion years from now. I'm just saying, are you going to be a billion years from now? I believe it. I believe it with all my heart. And I don't even have to have blind faith. Everybody wants to live longer. Everybody feels young at heart. No matter how jaded they are. A billion years from now, you're going to look back. <laughs> you can look back. I don't even know what kind of memory Earth will be and your short little life will be. But if all you invested into was that little life, that was the extent of your dreams, I mean, come on. I want to have something that billion years from now is going to matter. Yes. It's going to be our reward then as much as a boat is now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the whole point is, your dream has to be eternal. It has to be tied to the kingdom of God. It has to inspire you from that direction. And when I say that, I'm not talking about just this general thing. I'm saying if God gave you a dream to open a business, or, 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 or maybe you are somebody who's supposed to be on YouTube, and you have a successful channel, and you're creative, whatever it may be. I'll, I'll give you, you know what? You know what's interesting? Do you know who preached to my son Levi? Who's eight years old more than I did? You want to who? Anyone know Sunday? All the nerds are staying quiet. <laughs> Nobody knows Sunday? Come on. Okay, fine. Uh, Sunday is a YouTuber. Uh, he, he does the video games, okay? That Minecraft, all that stuff. Very successful. Very successful. Very, you know, in that sphere, he's, 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 he's really big. Um, the reason he preached to my son is because my kids love watching his, his videos and, and whether it's Among Us or, 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 or anything else. Don't pretend you don't know what I'm talking about. I, I, I see your little faces. Everybody's trying to pretend like I don't know what you're talking I see you from here. Uh, what's that? Right. Um, but they were watching him all the time. And then they came across one of his videos when he became a Christian. And he recorded a video to his millions of followers, millions and millions of followers that turned him on to watch video games, and he just preached Jesus. It's like, this is, I just became a Christian. Now, I'm just stopping and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, this guy had a dream, something. He didn't even know exactly what it was. He wasn't even a Christian, but he's doing something he's good at. And somewhere, when he found Christ, he found also that there was a purpose in what he's doing. And he didn't disconnect it from God. He connected those two things and it had an influence on my son. On my son. In a way that I, my words wouldn't. And so once again, you can be focused on what you do. You can be focused on your business. You can be focused on your education. You can be focused on your family. You can be focused on whatever it is that you're working and you're dreaming about. You know, I have a cousin, by the way, maybe one of his brothers is here. He has three sons in baseball. Three sons in baseball. You know what that means? That means I think five days out of the week, he's taking them to practices and games. Crazy. All right? Crazy. I could never, ever handle something like that. But I asked him, I'm like, hey, why? Why all that? I mean, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of input for somebody who runs a business and somebody as busy as yourself, somebody who has a lot of hobbies yourself. 
why so much? He's like, well, my oldest son has one more year left before he's out of sports. I want to be there. I want to give him that opportunity. You know, there's a dream there, a dream about his family, and that's where God's placing his dream for him, that right there, and he's following it. So you can be practical. You can live out your practical things, but somewhere in that, you have to find the eternal purpose. You have to connect it to God's kingdom. Can we stand up so we can pray? Because I think like we're done. <laughs>